The scripture reading this morning comes from Luke 1, beginning from verse 57, all the way till the end of this chapter to verse 80. So please open up your Bible with me to Luke chapter 1, Luke 1. And as I read our congregation, please do remember that this is not just an accurate historical text. This is also the infallible word of God. Luke 1, beginning from verse 57. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relative is called by this name. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors, and all these things were, take, all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea, and all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the, for the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and, in, and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him, without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit. And he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Congregation, let us now bow our head and pray. Father, truly your word is faithful and true. As such, as we approach your text, this text this morning, as we contemplate on this word, 
May you grant us wisdom to see, to see the deep and hidden things behind this text. Help us to see how Jesus Christ is proclaimed through these words. Help us to also see how our life is enfolded into the life of Jesus. And Lord, may your Holy Spirit also help this weak and broken vessel to faithfully share your word this morning. We give you thanks, and we pray all these in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, beloved congregation, when was the last time you desired mercy? When was the last time you desired mercy? Young boys and young girls in the midst of us, was it when you desired mercies from your teachers for the careless mistakes that you made on your quizzes? Or was it when your pet, your pet ate your homework? Was that in the time when you last desired mercy? Adults, was the last time you desired mercy the time where you were late to work due to the horrible traffics we have around us on 405 and I-5 or 167 nearby? Was that the last time you desired mercy? What about you, young parents, in the midst of us? Have you ever, have you ever pleaded mercy with that crying baby? Pleading with that baby to stop crying so you can finally have three hours of sleep and you can finally catch a break. While we may not speak of mercy often, especially in the modern culture where needing mercy can be viewed as a weakness, as something that is terribly shameful, we in fact need mercy in our lives and we desire mercy throughout our lives as well. This passage that is before us today is a passage of great comfort to people who are in need of mercy. Because in this passage, we see the revelation of God's tender mercy. And this morning, we will see God's tender mercy revealed in two ways. First, the revelation of God's mercy, his tender mercy to Zechariah and Elizabeth. And secondly, in the revelation of God's tender mercy to the Old Testament Israel. And let us begin with our first point. The revelation of God's mercy to Zechariah and Elizabeth. Now, both Elizabeth and Zechariah, they need mercy. Elizabeth and her husband Zechariah, they were both people well regarded for their obedience to the commandments and statutes of the Lord. We see that in the beginning of chapter 1 of Luke. And while Elizabeth was obedient to the law and commandments of the Lord, what did it say regarding Elizabeth? It said that she was barren. And this was a major problem because Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 12 and 13, had promised that those who keep and do the law and statutes of the Lord, the Lord himself will love them, he will bless them, and he will multiply them. 
but for Zechariah and Elizabeth, who were blameless in commandments and statutes of the Lord. They had no child. The Lord did not multiply them, so there was a promise that was not fulfilled in their lives and had not been fulfilled for many, many years. So Elizabeth, she needs mercy because her barrenness has become a matter of reproach among the people around her. And we see that in verses 24 and 25 of Luke 1. They reproached her for her barrenness. Zechariah, the husband of Elizabeth, he needs mercy too. He needs mercy not only for the barrenness of his family, but more importantly, he needs mercy for his own lack of faith. We can recall how Zechariah responded after angel Gabriel told him that God heard his prayer and God will give him a son whose birth will give him, will bring him joy and gladness. Did Zechariah respond with joy and gladness? No, he did not. He responded with what? With unbelief. This priest who was supposed to teach the word of God, he neglected everything the angel said from the word of God. He neglected everything in the word of God regarding this child, what this child would do, and what is the significance of his coming. This priest, he had only regard for his own limitation, which was his O.H., and consequently, he was made dumb for his unbelief. So, Zechariah, he needed mercy too. He needed mercy for his unbelief. And when it comes to our passage, we see God's mercy toward them. How is God's mercy revealed to Zechariah and Elizabeth? We see that God's mercy is revealed to them through the birth of a child, through the birth of John in verse 57. And the impact of this mercy of God upon their lives are, is very apparent. For we see that as soon as Elizabeth conceived John, she recognized that God was merciful toward her and that God looked upon, looked upon her and took away her reproach from among the people. We see that in verses 24 and 25. And now here in this passage with the birth of John, the people around her also recognize that this is a, a merciful act of God. And their attitude went from reproach to rejoicing, just as the angel had promised earlier in Luke 1, 24. God, in his mercy, he worked what is impossible for man, he gave conception to an old barren woman whose womb was as good as dead. And with the birth of John, that mercy from God is ever so real and ever so great to all the people around them that they called it great mercy. We see that in verse 58. And that God's great mercy toward her is even more renowned than the reproach she had. For her reproach was from the people around her, but God's mercy for her, God's mercy upon her, is known throughout all the hill country of Judea, as recorded in verse 65. 
As for Zechariah, Elizabeth's husband, who was unfaithful toward the word of God, we see here that God still showed him mercy. After the birth of John, who is the mercy of God toward him, God reversed his dumbness as the angel had promised. And by faith, he obeyed the word of God. He named the boy John as God had commanded him through Gabriel. And immediately we see his tongue loosed and he blessed God. Verse 64. What is remarkable here is the mercy of God not only loosened his tongue, the mercy of God also softened his heart so that this unfaithful Zechariah became faithful. Therefore, we see that Zechariah was circumcised in his heart as shown through his faith on this very same day that John was circumcised in his flesh. One had the circumcision of the heart. The other one had the circumcision of his flesh. And all of these things happened because of the tender mercy, the great mercy of our God. And truly, we know that God shows parents mercy through their children. The scripture reminds us in Psalm 127, verse 3, that children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruits of the womb, a reward. For some, God uses their children to lead them to faith. We know of people who started coming to church due to the church's children program, due to VBS and other um, children program at the church. And we also know of people who started reading the Bible because their children asked them difficult questions regarding Christianity, asked them difficult questions regarding the Bible. God has a way of using children to bring the parents to faith. God has a way to bring, to use the children to bring the parents to faith and to show them mercy. And even for the believing parents in the midst of us, our children shows us God's mercy toward us, not only for the fact that God gives us precious little lives, but in raising them, we are reminded of how graciously God has dealt with us. We as sinful people are worse, are, are worse than those little ones in their most sinful and obnoxious days. But God continued to be merciful toward us. Admittingly, God is much more merciful than we have ever been to our children. God is even more merciful to our children than we could ever be. More merciful than grandparents to their grandchild. Can you imagine that? I know the grandparents in the midst of us, you guys know how loving you are toward your grandkids, but God's love and mercy toward our little ones, including us, are greater than we have ever been merciful toward those around us. And when they finally grow up, that is when our children finally grow up and leave home, we will also be able to recount how merciful God has been during the entire time of our parenthood. 
as well. So how does God show his mercy to Elizabeth and Zechariah in this passage? We see that God shows his mercy toward them through the birth of John, who reversed their reproach. The coming of John turned his mother's reproach into rejoicing and turned his father's unbelief into faith and turned his dumbness into praise. This happened because of God's great mercy toward them. Congregation, we read of God's mercy, but do we remember it and do we depend upon it when we are confronted with challenges in our life? When you are confronted with simple challenges, the simple things, do you say to yourself, I got this, Lord, I got this. I don't need your help right now. And do you simply say you have control and forget God and forget his mercy? But then when things are extremely difficult, do you fall into despair thinking that while while God is merciful, his mercy is only to be found in the scriptures and not upon you? And definitely not upon you whose heart is more stubborn than Zechariah. Congregation, we need God's mercy. Whether it is for parenting our little ones, which can drive us to exhaustion, or for overcoming the challenges we have in our lives, we need God's mercy. His mercy is needed by all of us, and he is merciful toward us even if we are imperfect in our Christian walk, just as he was merciful to the stubborn Zechariah. Nothing is impossible for God, and God is merciful. Indeed, the mercy of God is for all of his people, just as the mercy of God revealed to Zechariah and Elizabeth points to something greater which we will now consider in our second point, the revelation of God's mercy to Old Testament Israel. The mercy shown here to Elizabeth and Zechariah points to something much greater. It points to God's mercy toward the people of Israel under the Old Testament administration. As this is because Elizabeth... And Zechariah, they embodied the Old Testament Israel. How so? You can recall that they were old and lifeless. Both Elizabeth and Zechariah, they were old and advanced in years, just as the Old Testament administration was old in age. They were both descendants of Aaron and reflected the priesthood that administered the law of God under the Old Testament rules. And they were without life, having no posterity, just as the ritualistic administration of the Old Testament had become lifeless. That is, while the people remarkably observed the commandments and statutes, and they did it outwardly, But inwardly, in their hearts, they were filled with unbelief toward God. 
just as exemplified by Zechariah in verse 20 of Luke 1. So they were old and lifeless, just as the Old Testament administration was old and lifeless. And there was also the silence of God. Just as Elizabeth and Zechariah prayed for a child for years and years to no avail, God had been silent since the time of prophet Malachi for years and years, for 400 years. But God broke his silence with the birth announcement of John. He reversed the old and lifelessness of Zechariah's family with the young, vibrant life of John. This reversal of Zechariah's family points to the reversal of the old and lifeless Old Testament administration with the coming of a child, the birth of the promised Savior. Zechariah, who has received God's mercy and who was filled with the Holy Spirit in verse 67, would sing a song of praise, blessing God, a song of praise that is commonly called in Latin the Benedictus, that is the benediction, blessing, song of blessing. We see his song of praise. He blessed God, the merciful God, who instead of judging Abraham, a worshiper of foreign idols, instead of judging Abraham, God called him out of Ur of Chaldees, and mercifully entered into a covenant with him and promised mercy to him and to his descendants, which we see in verses 72 and 73. In that covenant, which promised Abraham will be the father of nations and nations will be blessed through his one descendant, we see that God not only mercifully promised to bless whom Abraham blesses, but God also promised that he will curse those who dishonor Abraham. That's why the prophets of old said that God's people will be saved from their enemies because God's covenant with Abraham included Abraham's descendants, which are people with a faith like Abraham. So as God has promised to protect Abraham, God also promised to protect Abraham's descendants. And as God looked upon Elizabeth and Zechariah and showed mercy to them through John, God also looked upon his people and showed mercy to them by fulfilling the covenant that he established with Abraham. And he did this through the birth of a child as well. Who is this child? Zechariah calls him a horn of salvation and a descendant of David in verse 69. Here, the horn is another name for the Lord's anointed, which is called Messiah in Hebrew and Christ in Greek. In Psalm 132, verse 17, God says, I will make a horn to sprout for David, I have prepared a lamp for my anointed. This verse revealed to us that the horn is the anointed one, the Messiah. 
Other scriptural passages, such as 2 Samuel 22.3 and Psalm 18.2, would reveal to us that he is not just any man. Rather, he is fully divine because he is addressed as Lord, a title that Israel reserved for the Lord God. And since he is a descendant of David, he is also a descendant of Abraham. In fact, the spirit who inspired Zechariah would also reveal through the pen of Apostle Paul that he is the descendant of Abraham through whom all the nations will be blessed. This child is that descendant, that particular one through whom all the nations will be blessed. We see that in Galatians 3.16. And we see here that Zechariah praised God for the arrival of this Christ who who would reverse the condition of the Old Testament Israel of that time. By God's mercy, he would reverse the lifelessness of Old Testament Israel into life redeemed. For we see in verse 68, he would redeem God's people, and in verse 69, he would bring salvation to them, which includes delivering God's people from their enemies and to bring about the forgiveness of their sins. We see that in verse 71 and 77. And with their sins forgiven, he would reverse their service to God in outward appearance by lacking internal conviction and submission. He would reverse that into serving God without fear. And this could only happen because their sins are forgiven. Only by sins forgiven are people able to approach God without fear. And, and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Zechariah would declare this merciful redemption from Christ the Messiah as something that's already accomplished even when Christ is still in his mother's womb. Notice past tense used in verse 68 and 69. This is because by faith, Zechariah understands that no one can undermine God's plan and nothing is impossible for God. And Christ would also reverse the silence from God as well. With his coming, God would do more than just speak to his people through a prophet. No, Christ, who is fully divine as he is fully man, would not only speak to God's people, but came to dwell among them, thus fulfilling the Emmanuel promise, God with us. And Christ, who is the radiance of God's glory, would shine upon people who are in the darkness and in the shadow of death of this world. He would do so by proclaiming the good news of salvation and guides God's people into the way of peace to himself, who is the life and the way. And he would accomplish all of these things because of the tender mercy of our God, spoken of in verse 78. John who is God's mercy to Zechariah's family, would also prepare the way for Christ, who is God's mercy 
to all of his people in Old Testament Israel. John would prepare them for Christ by proclaiming a baptism for the repentance, for the forgiveness of sin. And he would give knowledge of salvation to God's people by pointing to them, revealing to them who the Christ is. So how does God show his mercy to the Old Testament Israel through We see that God shows his mercy to the Old Testament Israel by sending to them the Christ promised by the prophets who was also promised to Abraham, their father. His coming reversed the lifelessness of the Old Testament administration into a fearless, redeemed life. His coming reversed the silence from God into God dwelling with men. His coming reveals the path of peace for those who are sitting in the valley of shadow of death. So congregation, are you rejoicing and blessing God for his mercy in sending this promised Messiah, Christ Jesus? For the scripture also revealed to us that Christ is God's mercy for all of us as well. Because through Abraham, all the nations would be blessed. And we are, in fact, descendants of Abraham by faith. So what Christ has accomplished is for all of us who believe in God with a faith like Abraham. While we might not be old and barren, and we are not surrounded, encircled with enemies on every side. But we still need God's mercy. We still need the mercy of God brought through Jesus Christ. We need his mercy because we are all sinners who have fallen short of God's glory. And without the forgiveness of sin accomplished by Christ, we would still be in bondage to sin without any hope of breaking free. However, with the arrival of Christ, those without hope in this world find eternal hope. Those who are barren in this world receive eternal life. Those who are stubborn have their hearts softened, and those who are oppressed on earth have eternal deliverance. Out of his tender mercy, God exalts those who are of a humble estate on earth to eternal glory. And congregation, we have this tender mercy from God only because God showed Jesus Christ, the incarnated Son of God, no mercy. We can have peace Because Jesus went to battle for us against our greatest enemy, sin. We can be viewed in holiness and righteousness before God because he who knew no sin was made sin on our behalf. We can have forgiveness of sin because he bore our punishments for sins. We can have eternal life because on the cross he laid down his life for us. We can call God Abba, Father, because on the cross, the Son 
was forsaken. We can ascend into hell because he, oh, sorry, we can ascend into heaven because he descended into hell on our behalf. And we can be exalted because he was humble. Congregation, this is the tender mercy of God and the great mercy of Christ, your Lord. He not only gives you mercy, but he also laid down his life so that you have mercy all the days of your life. And he can relate to your need for mercy because he was placed upon the cross of no mercy. Congregation, you have such tender mercy from God through faith in Jesus Christ. Receiving mercy. Receiving mercy from God is not a sign of weakness as this world would like to think of it. No, it's actually a sign that you belong to God and it is actually a sign of exaltation. And having received God's mercy... Let us be merciful to one another who are fellow recipients of this mercy. Let us also serve him, serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Let us do that because our God is merciful because he has shown us his great tender mercy. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty Father, truly you are a merciful God. Your mercy even predates the, the existence of this world. For before the foundation of the world, you have chosen us in Christ Jesus to be merciful to us through Christ. As such, O oh Lord, as we go forth through all this week and through all the rest of this month and the next month as we are confronted with challenges on every side and in, in every part of our lives. Help us not to fall into despair, but help us to remember that you are merciful toward us. And in Christ, we are more than conquerors over this world. Help us to fixate our eyes upon you, our merciful God in heaven, help us also to fixate our eyes upon Christ Jesus, who is seated right now in the throne of mercy in heaven, and in whose name we pray. Amen.